to me, uh, I believe it was like last week sometime. I don't, I mean, you know, boy, with these holidays, I don't know what days, what, you know. But anyway, last week, I think sometime while we, that week we didn't have church. And, uh, and I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me one night, teach wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And so I just immediately, uh, the, like the next day after I heard it, went to my Bible. I have a new Bible called the New Living Bible, and it is, uh, it's a translation, not a paraphrase. It has nothing to do with the Living Bible, you know, the old one that we used to carry, you know. Y'all don't remember Living Bible, and I still use that sometime to look up scriptures and stuff just for clarification, but the New Living Bible has nothing to do with that. I had to figure that out first. The Living Bible was a paraphrase, and the New Living Bible is a translation. And so uh, I got my New Living out and went to Proverbs just to read there uh, for a change of pace. And, you know, Proverbs is a wonderful book and actually is a, a wisdom book. And so I'm going to be uh, teaching you some. I'm going to use my King James some, but I'm going to be using this New Living a lot. So, uh, But you can follow along, and, and uh, we're going to be getting some wisdom tonight. In Proverbs chapter 1, in verse uh, 1, it says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. And it says the purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline. And that was exactly what God had spoken to me. So when I opened this Bible and read that, I was such good confirmation because the Holy Spirit had spoken to me to teach wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And he actually ministered to me and said, wisdom, wisdom is taught. Wisdom is taught. And so uh, he says, teach to this purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand wise sayings. Through these Proverbs, people will, restrict, will receive instruction in discipline, good conduct, and doing what is right, just, and fair. Through the Proverbs, we receive uh, those things. These Proverbs will make the simple-minded clever. They will give knowledge and purpose to young people. Let those who are wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser, and let those who understand receive guidance to by exploring the depth of meaning in these Proverbs, parables, wise sayings, and riddles. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. So in this version, he gave us five things that the purpose of Proverbs was, and one of them was to teach wisdom and discipline to teach us wisdom and discipline, the purpose of Proverbs. Number two, to understand wise sayings. Number three, to receive instruction in discipline, good conduct, and doing what is right, just, and fair. How many of you think we ought to receive some instruction for good conduct? How many, Don't y'all think good conduct is important? Amen. And also in what is right, just, and fair. I tell you, if everybody, in, if every Christian even, and not just even everybody in the world, but if every Christian was taught what is right, just, and fair, amen, and was taught to do what is right, just, and fair, I tell you, to do what is right is important. You know, Pastor and I are just like y'all. I mean, I, I, I hope, you know, I, I, I want people to know I don't want people to think that we are to put us on some sort of a spiritual pedestal because if you do, we'll fall off of it because we're humans, you know. And so, uh, but we are, our heart is really after God and to please Him. But, you know, we have flesh just like you do. And so sometimes when, uh, when maybe somebody does something that's not right towards us or says something that's not right, you know, our flesh wants to react just like your flesh does. Amen. And so, but, you know, we help each other because he'll, you know, my, like I might say to him, like, well, I'm just not going to put up with that. I'm just going to say this or I'm just going to do that. And you know what he'll say to me? No, we're going to do what's right. And then sometimes maybe he'll be the one to say, you know, I, I, well, I've just had enough. That's it. You know, and, and I'll say, no, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to do what's right. Amen. But we have to be taught sometimes to do what's right. If we're not taught to do what's right, we won't know what's right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, we're going to learn some things from Proverbs tonight. The fourth thing, it said it would make the simple-minded clever. Well, I tell you, that is good news. I'm telling you because, you know, I, I, the simple-minded are the best. I tell you, the, most, the best people are those that are simple-minded. That God makes clever, that God makes wise. Not those that are uh, 
full of all sorts of worldly knowledge and the simple-minded, the word of God will make clever. I tell you what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to turn this fan off because it is bugging me. It's making me cold. So somebody figure out what button that fan's on. Does there, how many of you want all of the fans off? How many of you, you want all the fans? Chris wants all the fans off. I do not like these things. Yeah, okay. Okay. So the simple-minded become clever by the wisdom from Proverbs and by the word of God. Number five, it gives knowledge and purpose to life. I tell you, we need purpose in our life. If you have purpose in your life, you're happy. If you have purpose in your life, you don't go out and get in trouble and do things you ought not to do. The reason kids go out and, and get into things that they ought not to get into is they never have figured out the purpose for their life. And so they are looking for some sort of satisfaction or some, and so they try all sorts of things that they shouldn't try. But if you have a purpose in your life and you know it from a young age, it'll take you through. It'll, and, and so Proverbs gives us a purpose for life. Amen. And we all, I, I, we need a purpose for life. I, I, I hope that you're helping your young children get purpose for their life. It's not right for young children to grow up and, and graduate from high school and go to college and they still hadn't figured out what they're going to do in life. Now, we were like that. We didn't know. We didn't have a clue what we were going to do. But it's not right. It's not the way it should be. Amen. And it's not God's will for you not to know what your purpose in life is. You may not know. Don't, don't fall off the step. Anyway, you may not know exactly every detail, but you should have a general idea of what your purpose in life is. Amen. Amen. Whether it's a teacher or whether it's a... Uh, and you know what? If you've got a purpose in life, anytime God wants to change it, He can. Amen. He will. He will. He did. He, he changed my purpose in life. I had a purpose in life. It was uh, to, uh, to be a housewife. Now, I loved being a housewife. I wanted to, I majored in home economics in college. I mean, I, really, I mean, it's my kind of hard to believe since I can't sew a lick and don't cook much and all of that kind of stuff. But at one time, you know, probably God should have fine it had, had God let me go that direction, he would have fine-tuned it down to interior decorating because that's more my bent versus the, the cooking and the sewing side. But anyway, um, uh, I had this purpose in life and it was to raise children and I, boy, I, you know, as soon as I was just pregnant with Colin, I quit work and uh, stayed home to raise children. But in 1985, or I think maybe it was 84, it was 84, the Lord spoke to me through a scripture, Luke chapter 4. He had anointed me and called me to teach the word. He gave me a purpose in life. God will intervene if he wants to. Amen in the purposes of your life. Praise God. And so then in Proverbs, he tells us there how it's going to happen. He says there, he says, let those who are wise listen. Listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. You know how you're going to get wise? By listening. Listening. When you begin to listen, begin to listen carefully. I've just noticed, and not about, I'm not, I'm not y'all, y'all are here on Wednesday night, but I'm talking about a lot of people don't listen. A lot of Christians don't listen. A lot of Christians don't, you know, something very important, something very profound in the spirit realm, some profound bit of revelation or wisdom can come forth from the pulpit or from a man or woman of God preaching and it goes over them. It misses them. Why? Because they haven't trained themselves to listen. Not, not, you, you understand I'm not talking about physical ears here. I mean, I know you're all hearing my voice, but some of you are hearing things, you're hearing on a deeper level. You're hearing, you're looking for answers. One of the ways to listen and really hear is to want answers, is to come hungering, is to come searching, come listening. I believe I'm going to hear something tonight. I believe, I believe that, 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 that it's not just Miss Debbie up there teaching, but God is speaking to us tonight. Whether you believe it or not, I can tell you he is. Amen. And uh, uh, so people that have that kind of attitude, when they come, I tell you what they do. They get answers. They get tidbits. They get, you know, God doesn't ever give like the whole picture, you know, and you get a 40 page volume. That's one reason we know the Mormons are wrong. 
<laughs> he don't give volumes to people like whoever he gave that, whatever he was supposed to give, Joseph Smith, some sort of, you know, the Book of Mormon. He don't give volumes. He gives pieces. And you know, I get nuggets when I sit under the word. I may just get one thing. I may just get one, but I get things. I get, and I, you know what I do with them? I don't just try to remember them up here because I've tried that and I forget them. I lose them. I write those nuggets down. I don't try to maybe write down everything the preacher says. I, although at one time in my life I did, I took notes like that because I was, I was on, I was trying to get a greater understanding of the word. I did, I knew I didn't have a working knowledge of the word. You've got to get a working knowledge of this thing. Amen. And But once I got that working knowledge of the word, now I'm listening for the keys. I'm listening for the nuggets. I'm listening for the, the, the tidbits, the things that God's saying. Hallelujah. I know, I know when I write them down that they are things that I'm going to use later. I'm going to use those later. I'm going to use them in prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to, because, because the Holy Ghost is saying something. The Holy Ghost is ministering something. And not all of those things even just come in, in the service. Sometimes they come as you're praying. A word, a, a, a thought, a, a, an inspiration, so, as you might say. And so you get them from listening. And the, that's how you get wisdom. And then it was really interesting here. He said, and let those who understand receive guidance by exploring the depth of meaning in these Proverbs. You know, that's how the Word of God is. Is You know, there's more to it than just on the surface. Like we've been studying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, that scripture's been around for years. In fact, I would say that that's one of the top five most famous scriptures in the whole Bible, wouldn't you say? That just nearly every Christian knows Psalm 23, don't they? But hardly anybody has much revelation in it outside of, oh, the Lord's my shepherd, he leads us, he guides us, you know, and, uh, and they don't even, sometimes, a lot of times really even believe that that he's really leading them and guiding them. But anyway, there's we found out by going into depth of meaning that there's a lot more to I shall not want. That I shall not fail, I shall not be lessened, I shall not be decreased, I shall not lack. I shall not be berated, uh, abated, not berated, abated or stopped or bereaved. Amen. And we found out there's depth of meaning. And that's how the Word of God is. We've got to go in and find the depth of meaning in the Word of God. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that we are to rightly divide this Word. If you don't rightly divide the Word of God, you're going to have the biggest mess on your hands you ever had. This Word was written to three, piece, three groups of people. It was written to the Jews... It was written to the church, and it was written to the nations. And if you don't figure out which scriptures go with who, you're going to be taking scriptures that were written to Jews and have nothing to do with you because you're not a Jew. Are you going to take things that are written to the nations, to the heathen, in other words, and those have nothing to do with you because you are the church. And there's scriptures written to the church. Amen. We have to rightly divide this thing. Hallelujah. And we also have to figure out this thing in the whole, the Bible's truly recorded. Every word's truly recorded, but every thing that's said in the Bible is not truth. Job said some things that aren't truth. His friends said some things that aren't truth. And so we can't just take scriptures out of Job and say, well, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, Job said that, but that wasn't true. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Who takes away? The thief. And Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. God, the Bible says that God withholds no good thing from them that walks uprightly. Amen. He's not taking away things from people that walk uprightly. He's adding to us. But I tell you, there is a thief out there and it's the devil. So we can't take scriptures and, and uh, we have to rightly divide this thing. We have to look for depth of meaning in the word of God. And then there in verse seven, it says, uh, uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and only fools despise wisdom and discipline. Uh, you know, you're never going to know anything until you fear the Lord. I want to tell you something tonight that's going to shock you, but there ain't nobody wise that don't fear God. 
I don't care how much they know, how much book learning they have, so to speak. I don't know. They might be experts in all sorts of areas, but if they don't fear God, they don't know anything as far as wisdom is concerned. Amen. They just have a lot of facts and probably a lot of them are wrong. Speculation. You know, they have all sorts of things about evolution, but that would, Darwin's theory was just that, a theory. It was nothing more than a theory, and it was a wrong theory. Now they talk about it like it was fact. But Darwin never even said it was fact. He said it was theory. That's the theory of evolution, right? We know that's wrong. And a whole bunch of things that are taught in schools and universities are taught around that theory that's now become fact, and they base a lot of things they teach on that very thing. So, you know, if you don't have a fear of God, you don't know anything. I want to tell you something. You don't need to be going to people for wisdom for your life who don't fear God. The Bible says in Psalm chapter one, that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. When you go to ungodly people to get your wisdom, you're going to get messed up every time. Amen. And so that's not where we get wisdom. Until people fear God, they don't know anything. Amen. The Bible says here that fools despise wisdom and discipline. It'd be foolish for us as even church members to say, oh, she's just teaching on Proverbs. You know, and I used to be this way. I I can, I'm going to tell you, I used to be this way. It's like, I don't like that subject. Click. You know, I had my little pet subjects I wanted to hear something about. But that's not, that's not wise. I learned to be wise. I learned, I learned wisdom. Amen. So I don't want to be a fool and despise wisdom and discipline. Verse eight says, listen, my child, to what your father teaches you. Don't neglect your mother's teaching. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and clothe you, clothe you with honor. I want to tell you, mothers and fathers and children, you can hear this. Mothers and fathers are anointed to give their children wisdom. Now, I realize that there are sometimes bad situations where it, when it comes to mothering and fathering. But even in bad situations in mothering and fathering, most of the time there is some wisdom on some level coming that comes to those children from their parents. I know my parents were Christians, but they were not, I was not raised with them serving God. They were backslid. I mean, just to be honest, when I was growing up, my, my parents were Christians, but they were backslid Christians. And we were those people that went to church every other month or so, you know, and we might have a run and go twice in two months, twice in a month, but mostly we were just ever sporadically, you know, going, probably wouldn't have gone that often, but our next door neighbor was the church organist, you know, so that kept enough kind of guilt and pressure on you. And we were kind of close to her that we, you know, had to, we appeared every once in a while. And that was not my choice. I remember sitting on the front porch as a little girl on Sunday morning and seeing uh, uh, Lori Patterson and Louine Patterson, Michael, remember who they are, walk, they lived down the block from me and I'd see them walk walk into our Baptist church and they were like high school girls and their parents didn't go either. And I used to sit there and think, I can't wait till I'm a big girl so I can walk to church by myself because I wanted to go to church. My grandparents were very godly, God-fearing, God-serving people. And everything I got as a child came because of my grandparents. They got me saved. They were made sure I got baptized. Even with my parents kind of fighting them. You know, when you are living in sin, you're going to fight anybody living right. And my daddy fought my grandmother, his own mother, all the time because she is living right and he wasn't. I mean, that's basically what it is. Sometimes when you get persecuted, family, by your family, you know, it's all nothing more than you're living right and you make them feel guilty. Amen. Amen. Happens all the time. It's called persecution for the word's sake. And so... um, well, I didn't grow up, you know, uh, with my parents serving God or anything. And, uh, but I tell you, even in the midst of that, my mother and father taught me some wisdom. And I was smart enough to listen. And, you know, even in natural things, my mother taught me wisdom. She taught me how to conduct myself around boys and men. One thing she told me just as a young girl, she just, when I was a little, you know, just getting to those teenage years, she said, don't ever laugh at a man's dirty joke or a boy's dirty joke. Don't ever laugh. 
either walk out of the room, ignore him, or just look the other way, or don't, don't give any eye contact, don't ever laugh at their dirty jokes. And you know what? I did that. That's how I conducted myself. My mom taught me, and you know what? It works. It works. Hallelujah. So see, my mom had wisdom for me, even though, and so uh, there's an anointing to parent. Now you're living godly, so that doesn't really apply to you. But one thing that does is you need to expect to have wisdom for your children and you need to t take the time to teach them how to conduct themselves. I, 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 I shouldn't have to say this, but you can tell by the way teenagers and kids act that somebody's not taking the time to sit down and say, little girl, this is how you fix your legs. This is how you wear your dress. This is, this is how you act in front of men. This is how you... They're not taking the time to do that. You need to take the time to do that with your children. If, you, if, if, if grandparents, if the parents aren't, then you take the time when they're at your, your house. Uh, there are so many things my grandparents did for me that my parents did not do. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so listen to our parents. And then in the church, there's a spiritual parallel. There's parents in the church. And a lot of times we, aren't, we don't listen to our spiritual parents. But there's parents in the church. Paul said, you have, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. And he was talking about himself being a spiritual father. And when God puts you in a church, your pastor is your spiritual father. Amen. And we're to, the Bible says wise people listen to their fathers. Amen. And so we need to be careful about that parallel. Um, and then he goes on to say, he goes and has several verses there about not following sinners. In other words, not letting sinners entice us to go do things. That should be self-understood. And uh, then it talks in the last part of, in the down in verse uh, 19. Um, let's, well, let's start in 17. When a bird sees a trap being set, it stays away. But not these people. They set an ambush for themselves. They booby-trap their own lives. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for gain. It ends up robbing them of life. I think this is so important that we talk about not being greedy for gain. God, we preach prosperity in this church. And it is definitely a part of our covenant that we prosper as Christians. But we have never once taught in this church, although it has been misunderstood in every church that teaches prosperity, we have never once taught that, that the faith message is a get-rich-quick scheme. It is not. God prospers us through a process through a period of time, as we grow and increase on the inside, as we make changes and adapt our life to His Word and His character, He prospers us. And you will, if you serve God and walk uprightly with Him, you will continually gain and increase and prosper. The tithe works, family, and the offerings work. But people come in and they're greedy for gain. They're in lust, and they don't know they are. They're blessed their uh, darling hearts. They really don't know they're in lust, but they are. There's a world system out there that's full of lust. But Pastor and I, we believe in prosperity, but it's taken us 20 years, We 19, actually 22 years. January 1st, 1980, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and for 22 years, we've been hooked on the Word. Before that, we were Christians serving God with all the revelation we had, but we just didn't have much. But for 22 years, we've been hooked on the Word. And for 22 years, it took us 22 years to prosper to the degree that we are now. And we continually increased, I will tell you that. Now, we had many setbacks. We had many times that we had to hang on for dear life, hang on to the Word of God, believe Him, trust Him that the outcome was going to be good when the circumstances looked bad. But we had a continual increase in 22 years. But we have people come into the church and we teach faith here and we teach prosperity and people get excited. And you can't blame them for that. They get excited. They've lived in poverty all their life and bless God. But I'm telling you, I'm here to announce to you tonight that if you'll hook up for this word and you'll do the word, 
that you will prosper and increase. God will work out the things in your life that are holding you back from prosperity and all of us have them. And he will, he will cleanse your motives and he will, he will, uh, he will, and he will just, and he will provide for you while he's doing it. You will make it every time, however close the call may be. And sometimes it's close. You'll eat. I guarantee you, you'll never not eat. You'll never be cast out of your home and, 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 and standing out in the rain and no place to put your kids. But this is not the lottery. This is not a jackpot. This is not Philadelphia, Mississippi, and a one-armed bandit. God is not a slot machine where you put your tithe in and pull the lever. Amen? Amen. And, 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 and the quicker we learn, the faster we prosper. And the better teacher you have. And you got some good ones. I'm just going to tell you right up front. We've had lots of experience. We, we've already found all the booby traps and pitfalls. We've already been in them, dug our way out of them in 22 years. I hope we've already done them all. <laughs> Surely there's no more. <laughs> Amen. But it, the prosperity is not get rich quick. And people get offended at the gospel and a lot of times drop away from church and drop away from God altogether because um, why? They're greedy for gain. They want it quick. They want it quick. I know we had people. Now, we got a whole history of church people because we've been pastoring for since 1982. So we've been pastoring 20 years in this year, 2002. And... Um, we got a whole history of church people, but I know we had this one family and, and you know, they came in, they were excited about the praise, the, the, the prosperity message and they were tithing and they were giving, they were believing God, nothing wrong with that. But you know, they was greedy for gain. They wanted it fast. Boy, they, you hear them talk, there's going to be millionaires that year. Really? And you know, you don't want to say, you don't want to throw a wet blanket on anybody. So you figure they're going to find out soon enough. They're not, you know, and, um, and that there's a process here. The only way you're going to be a millionaire in one year is if you win the lottery. I guarantee you God's not in the lottery. You got the same chances in Publishers Clearinghouse that the other, if it's one in a million chance, then you got a one in a million chance. You don't have any better chance. In fact, God's not in it. Amen. That's not how he blesses his people. You can go ahead and fill them out. And I've had church members believe in God. And I've even thought to myself in the past years, maybe that's how God's going to do this prosperity thing. That's not how he's going to do it. Amen. But go ahead and enter if you want to. Hallelujah. And bring the tithe if you are that one in a billion. Hallelujah. Pretty sure and tithe on it. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. We accept the tithe on horse racing. You know, we don't believe in it, but we accept the tithe. We do not decline it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. But anyway, they, they were like going to be millionaires that year. And, and so they were believing God. And we, we encourage, we have an anointing for houses in this church. We encourage people to believe God for houses. God wants to give you goodly houses. Man, they just believe in God. They needed a better house and they did need more room and everything. And, and God opened the door for uh, a step up, a better house, you know, and it was a better house and it was, uh, and it was nice. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was as nice as what we were living in. It was really, and in God's supernatural financial opening, and it was going to be about the same payment as the house. It was really supernatural. It was really good. But they went on a trip and went on a vacation and saw some kinfolks. And these kinfolks were doctors and he lived in, a, you know, a doctor can live in something sometime. You know what I'm talking about? And this was some kind of specialist doctor. He wasn't just a general practitioner and he was a specialist. You know, they have a, they have, do you know what I'm saying? You've gotten the bill before, you know what they charge. Anyway, so they're living in a mansion and they came home. These people came home and said, no, no, we're not going to take that house. Because uh, we're believing, we're go we're going to hold out for the big one. We're, we got our vision expanded this weekend. We're going to hold out, and we're going we're going to believe God for that. Well, I can tell you, to this day, they're still living. They had never got the anointing or faith back to get to the next step. No, you're not going to move to the doctor's mansion overnight. You can move there. God does not withholding. God does not put a limit on us. The only limit is the one you put. 
But you're not, it's not going to be instant. It's going to be as you increase your faith, as you increase the anointing on your life, as you understand him more, as you understand his word and know how to work his word and know how to work by faith and know how to walk by faith. No, there's not, it's not going to happen overnight. No, you're, gonna, you're not going to get there faster than I did. Because I can tell you, I was pretty diligent. Now, you probably will get faster than I did. You know why? Because there's more revelation in the earth than there was in 1982. We know more than we knew. We know better how to teach you, but you're still not going to get it. You're not going to get it without God doing the work on the inside at the same time. Hallelujah. Obedience. Uh, uh, You're not going to get it apart from doing the Word of God. You're not going to get it doing it your own way. Amen. Okay, so those that are and, and those that are greedy for gain, it ends up robbing them of life. Those that those people I was telling you about, they were greedy for gain. They wanted it fast. Well, they're getting robbed of life. Why? They're disappointed in the faith message. They're disappointed in God. Amen. And so they've been robbed. Why? Just because they're greedy for gain. It's never been taught in this church. Amen. But you know, sometimes, and, and, and the people that, that the, though these people, this was in the past, but um, these people, you know, we tried to reason with them. You know, but sometimes people won't listen to you. Goes, no, 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 I'm going to have it my way. No, what about you need to listen to your spiritual fathers? Amen. Okay, verse 20, we're going to keep going. Now we're skipping some verses because obviously we can't do every verse in Proverbs. Wisdom shouts in the street. She cries out in the public square. She calls out to the crowds along the main street and to those in front of City Hall. You simpletons, she cries. So God's saying here, you know, we could read on, but um, wisdom from God is, is readily available. God's not hiding wisdom from you and he's not withholding wisdom from you. It's readily available. It's right here in His Word, and it comes from the, uh, from the men and women of God, and it's available to you. Hallelujah. Verse 24, I'm going to read that one to you. I called you so often, but you didn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered, so I will laugh when you're in trouble. See, that's how wisdom is. See, God is not, He's merciful but if he, if, he, if he continually tries to tell somebody something, and, he, and, and you know, he'll come at them several different directions. Why, he'll come at them with pastor here, and then he'll come at I mean, on Wednesday night, he'll come at them, you know, not, not with us not knowing anything, just by revelation. He'll come at them from this direction, and then he'll come at them. Maybe he'll come at a man through his wife. And then he, he, he'll even have the TV preacher, you know, you know, God will order your steps. He'll cause you to listen to a tape that'll say something. But if you, if wisdom comes at you in all those directions and you still won't listen, God's through talking. He's through talking to you. You can be a whole hard head, but if you, if he comes at you, now God understands that we are human and, and he'll come at you several ways. But when you just, when he knows, God knows us. And when he knows, we know. But we just, we're stubborn. We want our way. We want it like we said. We're not teachable. God's quitting talking to you and he's going to let you sit there and sweat in your trouble. Amen. That's what it says. It says, you ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overcomes you like a storm, when you are engulfed by trouble and when anguish and distress overwhelm you. Now, God's merciful when you don't know. But when you've known and he's tried to tell you, you know, young people get in trouble when they don't listen to their mothers and dads. When mama and daddy try to tell them something and they don't listen, God don't stop them from the the problems that they encounter, does he? No, he don't. I will not answer when they cry for help. Even though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. You know, God's not... See, sometimes people, oh, go and pray. But what they're really wanting, they already know what they're supposed to do. They already know the answer. But they're wanting God to change his mind. They're wanting God to give them a different answer. I dealt with people like this. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear of the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. That is why they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. 
There, you can live your own way, but you're going to eat bitter fruit if you do. You can live the way you want to. God will not stop you. But you're going to eat bitter fruit. Amen. They must experience the full terror of the path they have chosen, for they are simpletons who turn away from me to death. I just would hate for God to call me a simpleton. Family, when we turn away from the word, we turn to death. We may not think we're choosing death, but when we turn away from the word of God, we turn to death. And their own complacency will destroy them. But all who listen to me will live in peace and safety, unafraid of harm. Say that with me. All who listen to God will live in safety. And I want to tell you something. The key to living in safety is listening. Listen to me now. It's not loving God. There's a lot of people that love God that got killed on September 11th. They, there's a lot of people that really loved God that got killed. The key to living in safety is not prayer. Listen to me. A lot of those people were praying people. The key to living in safety is not prayer. The key to safety is listening to God. Now, obviously, prayer opens our heart, and we can hear God better when we're prayers. Amen? So prayer's good. I'm not saying it's not. But the key is not prayer. You can pray all day, every day, but when God says to do something, if you don't do it, you're not in safety. Amen? Now, I believe those prayers that on September 11th that were killed and, and every other Christian that's killed. The Holy Ghost is good. I believe He warned them if they knew how to listen. But most of them weren't trained to listen. They had not trained themselves to hear God. And so the thought and the unction that came to their heart, maybe it was, don't go to work today. Now some of them, we hear stories of people that actually didn't go. Amen? God did everything He could. He delayed people. He, he tried to put delays. He tried everything to get people to listen to Him. Amen? The key to safety is listening. We're going to walk in safety. We're going to walk in uh, and be safe and secure. We're going to have to listen. I know Keith Moore tells a story about a woman that she got mugged. She was a Christian woman. She went out witnessing in a, in a, and she got mugged, got beat up bad. And you know, worse than her body got beat up, she was hurt. She was offended. She was disappointed in God. She didn't understand why did God let this happen. And she went and talked to Brother Keith about it. And she said, I don't understand. I pray Psalm 91 every day. I prayed Psalm 91 that morning. But come to find out, she felt like she wasn't supposed to go to that bad part of Tulsa or wherever she was at that morning. But she went anyway. Family, we got to listen. Now, obviously, we need to train ourselves to listen. You don't get to hearing God overnight and being accurate and hearing Him. You train yourself. You train yourself to hear Him. One of the best ways to learn to hear God, one good way is to come to prayer. When the church has corporate prayer, you'll hear God. You'll hear God. That's a good way. Amen. Listening services, training yourself to hear the things that God's saying. You know, there's, some, there's things He's saying in the Spirit that aren't being even said with my words. You know what I'm saying? Training yourself. Listening to Him. Recognizing the places you're weak. Like, for instance, uh, I always, when I hear somebody's pregnant, I always say, okay, now Holy Spirit... Is this a boy or is this a girl? And I'm real good at that, except if there's somebody close to me. If I'm close to them, you know what? I can't hear and I know I can't because my emotions get involved. And I get to putting on them what I want them to have. You know what I'm saying? I, I couldn't figure out Carter when Carter, when I couldn't, I knew I couldn't hear. I couldn't figure it out. You know, I had too much emotional involvement in it. I couldn't figure it out. And there's been other people in the church that I've been particularly close to. And I think, oh, you know. And also, I'm kind of like right now, like we need a girl. We need some girls. We need some girls. I'm on a girl kick right now. I'm wanting some girls. And so I'm not safe when it comes to him. Because it's like I, I can't hear anything but girl. 
Because why? I want girls. Not that I don't want boys, but I do want girls. You know, we've had this surplus of men. <laughs> men children. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But anyway, so you train yourself. But that's a, that's a good point right there. Because there's places you don't have, you can't hear God on. And you ought to be wise enough to know, I can't hear God in this area. My emotions are involved here. Amen. And you know, there's people that can help you when you, that's what we have spiritual fathers for. To help us sort sometimes when, when, we, when we're uh, emotionally involved there. Uh, so there's a bitter fruit there to living your own way. I want to read verse 32 in the King James Bible. I wrote that down to do that. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 33. Well, I already went to verse 33, so I guess I was backtracking there. Let's go on to chapter 2. Um, in chapter 2, in verse 1 through 7, My child, listen to me and treasure my instructions. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and understanding. Search for them as you would for lost money or hidden treasure. Then you will understand what I mean, what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of good sense to the godly. He is their shield, protecting those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of justice and protects those who are faithful to him. Okay. I want to talk here about wisdom and uh, just bring you to the, what I like about this verse, these chapters, and I do this. The first time I heard in, in Proverbs 2 that you could cry out for wisdom and understanding, that means that we're supposed to pray for it. We're supposed to ask God for wisdom and for understanding. And the Bible said here we're supposed to seek after it like treasure and value it and go after it. You know, uh, just just letting our heart at night as you lay in the bed and you're going to sleep, Father, I need your wisdom. I cry out for your wisdom. I ask you for understanding in this area. You know, if we do that as parents and if we do that concerning our jobs and if we do that even, Lord, you know, teach me to prosper. Teach me, show me, you know, you know even saying to God, 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 I open my heart to you. I open my life to you. Correct me where I'm wrong. That's something I say to the Lord. God, correct me where I'm wrong. I, I just, I just want to be teachable. I just don't want to be over here thinking wrong, living. If you think wrong, you'll bring, you'll believe wrong. And if you believe wrong, your faith won't work. I don't care how much you think you're in faith. If you, if you, if you're thinking wrong, you're going to believe wrong. If you believe wrong, you're not, your faith's not going to work. And, and, and so I don't want to be there. And I know that God doesn't want me there. And if I open myself up to him, he will correct me where I'm wrong in every area of life. You know, sometimes um, when we have a dispute with someone, if we'd say, Lord, correct me when I'm wrong, men get a revelation of that. Well, you know, when husbands and wives get at each other and all of them do. Now you may do it, you know, you may be the kind that, boy, y'all throw the words, or you may be the kind that go into the deep freeze. You don't say anything, but you can hang meat in your house because it's so cold in there, you know. But, you know, if, if both parties, if the husband and the wife would say, Lord, if I'm wrong in this, correct me. That'd be a big step, wouldn't it? Amen. Correct me where I'm wrong. You know, because uh, whether you realize it or not, your prosperity financially, your success really depends on, uh, on how you conduct yourself in your relationships. You can't be treating somebody wrong, husband, wife, or even just, you know, somebody in the church. And God put his full blessing over on you. I mean, he'll try to bless you as much as he can. But if we're wrong, he's not going to be able to bless us. And he wants to. But first of all, he won't, he, he's going to have to make some changes in our lives. And so he sets about trying to do that. So we need to cry out after this things. Uh, <clears throat> and then I wanted to point out to you in verse 6. It says, For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I wanted to say something to you, and you may not have ever thought of it, but I know you'll know it's true. God don't ever give anything but wisdom. 
Everything he ever says to you is wisdom. There's not everything, anything ever come from him that's not wisdom. Amen? It just always is wisdom when God talks. His word is wisdom to us, isn't it? Hallelujah. It really is. It really is. Um, and then verse 7. He is a shield and protection to those who walk with integrity. I don't know if you understand that, but that is really good news. If you will walk with integrity, He will protect you from whatever that's coming towards you that you don't even see coming. If you've got your heart right, and that's what walking in integrity is, is when your heart's right. When you've got your heart right, when, when there's a problem or a situation or even a plot by some person, maybe a man used of the devil, there's a plot against you at work. When there's a plot and you don't even know it's coming, when you walk in integrity and your heart's right, and even keeping your heart right towards people, God will protect you. Amen. When your heart's right and you walk in integrity, even if you miss something in your prayers, you don't pick it up in the spirit that something's going wrong, God will watch out for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Boy, this is good stuff. This Proverbs is good. Then you will understand, verse 9, what is right, just, and fair. I want to know what is right, just, and fair. And you will know how to find the right course of action every time. Oh, do we need to know the right course of action every time. You know, you will know how to find the right course of action every time. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Verse 10. This is important. It says, for wisdom will enter your heart. Listen to that. Wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wisdom, we're talking about wisdom tonight. Wisdom does not come into your head. Wisdom comes into your heart. Now this is important because that tells us, first of all, God's the only one that has access to your heart. That your wisdom is going to come from God. And it's not going to come to your head. It's going to come to your heart. Amen. And if we'll let our heart lead us, if we'll do what's in our heart to do, if we'll do what our heart knows is right. Amen. And you know what your heart's saying. Sometimes you have to really separate the heart and head. Like I was talking about, you know, your kinfolks and your head can get messed up with your heart when somebody's close to you or something and you have to make a decision. But it's your heart that's going to have the wisdom of God. So what that tells us, family, is that wisdom doesn't come from doctors. Wisdom doesn't come from lawyers. Why? Because they can only speak to your head. Wisdom does not come from legal counsel. Wisdom does not come from bankers. And if you're relying on bankers and lawyers and legal counsel, if you're relying on them from your wisdom, you're going to get messed up. Why? Because they can only minister from their head to your head. And wisdom comes into the heart. God puts wisdom in your heart. Amen. When you go to the lawyer... I'm not saying don't use them, but when you go, you are you ought to already know what you're supposed to do. You're just going to them knowing what you're supposed to do to find out how the law works. You may not know have knowledge of how the law works and how to carry it out, but you've already been with God and you already know in your heart what you're supposed to do. Amen. It's the same with the doctor. We can go to a doctor. There's not anything wrong with going to a doctor. But you already you are you ought to already know in your heart and settle it in your heart. And I'm gonna tell you something, you should never let a doctor violate what your heart's telling you to do. If if the, if your heart's telling you don't have surgery, don't let a doctor see that they put they try to manipulate you with fear and they do it for several reasons. Actually some of them it's for, it's monetary. Now, not all of them are that way. But a lot of times, you know what it is? 
It's fear of the lawsuit. Like if I don't, they always tell you, and they're trained to do this, the very worst possible thing that could happen. And they don't even tell you what's likely to happen, what's probable to happen. They tell you the worst case thing of what could happen. And they do that because of lawsuits. That's why they do it. And you can't really blame them. You can't even spirit-filled. Holy Ghost-filled doctors will do that because of lawsuits. So that somebody don't come back on them and say, you didn't tell me that this could be this way. And so I'm suing you. But see, our wisdom doesn't come from doctors. Our wisdom doesn't come from bankers. Amen? And if you are trying to prosper listening to a banker, it, it's not possible. I can tell you, it is not possible. They'll tell you you can't when God's saying you can. They'll tell you to go ahead with something when God's saying, don't do it. Amen. Wisdom is placed in our heart by God. And I'm going to close, I think. Let me see what time it is. I'll tell you. Something. Yeah, I'm going to get time close here. But I want to tell you something God told me a long time ago. And this has helped me. God doesn't answer questions we don't ask. Why? I don't know. But when we're going out, this helps, because when you're going out making decisions for business and for life and buying houses and selling houses, we need to take the time to consult Him and to ask. In Proverbs 3, there, it says, it, it says, uh, in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And, and the King James says there, in all your ways, acknowledge him. I like that. Not just every once in a while asking for wisdom. Not just, well, when, the, when things get really bad, I ask him what to do. No, if we would in all our ways acknowledge him. In the morning on Saturday, when you get up, just acknowledging God and saying, Lord, you know, what am I supposed to do today? Am I supposed to go shopping? And what, what am I, you know, and following that, that unction, that leading. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to stay home today? In all my ways, acknowledging Him. Amen. All my ways. Well, what am I supposed to, you know, what am I supposed to buy for Christmas? You know, lead me in, in shopping for people. In all my ways, acknowledging Him. Help me find the right things. Help me, you know, help me, God, here with my computer today. How many of you know you need God's help for computers? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In all our ways, acknowledging Him. See, He's, not, he's got all the answers, but He don't give them to them if we don't ask. He don't give them to us if we don't ask. When you don't ask, He doesn't give you the answer. Even though He's got the answer. He don't give it to us if we don't ask. We got to acknowledge Him in our ways. Amen. We got to, and that's the beginning of wisdom right there. That's the beginning. When you begin to fear Him and you begin to reverence Him, fear there means reverence. It doesn't mean cower down and, oh, I'm afraid God's going to strike me. Well, we already taught you, God's not going to strike you. Amen. God's not, we, but, but if you reverence Him, reverence His opinion, that's fearing God, caring about what He thinks. God, what do you think about the situation? Well, Lord, what's the right thing to do here? Caring, wanting to please Him, wanting more than wanting our own way or wanting our, to please our flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. We're all human. Our flesh has a voice. Well, Lord, what do you want me to do here? That's fearing God. In all our ways, acknowledging Him. Amen. And I tell you, fearing God is respecting His Word. Respecting His Word. Respecting it enough to obey it and do it. Respecting it enough to, to do what it says. And having a holy fear, a reverential fear of not doing it. Not that we fear God's going to hit us, but we know that we won't have the full blessing of God and we won't have the full, that the enemy, that there's an enemy out there. That we fear not doing the word from the sense of that is the fear of God. 
and then having a a, 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 a reverential uh respect for the men and women of God that God is called and God is God speaks through and uses them to speak through in our lives and 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 you know that comes from showing up at church and when there's special meetings and there's special speakers saying you know no like well pastor brooks is a man of god he'll have something and i have a reverence for god and and lord you know and see god doesn't give you you know, one key every six months, he paints it on your life one service at a time. It's like every time you come to service, you get a coat of paint. I mean, and when you get a build up there, you'll have some wisdom. You'll know something, but you don't get it in sporadic. Now I'm teaching, preaching the choir tonight because you're here on Wednesday night, so you're not the sporadic crowd, but you'll just so you'll know. Amen. One reason I'm so blessed is I hadn't missed church five times in 22 years. And lots of weeks I go more than just our church. You know, going over to Pastor Brooks or going to Birmingham. Lots of weeks. Because I know, I have a fear of God. I know there's an impartation. I told Pastor one day, I said, you know, sometimes people have a supernatural anointing to miss when, when God wants to bless them. It's like they're anointed to miss. You know, it's like I'll be sitting, we'll have a guest speaker in, and I, I, there's, and they'll just have a supernatural anointing to miss it when God's really trying to get them something. Amen? That's not fearing God. That's not, that, change, you know, we change our plans. There's some people wouldn't dream of changing their plans when God wants to do something in the church. Oh, no, we plan to go out of town. Well, we did too a lot of times. And a lot of times we change our plans. We hear, we'll change our plans just like that. If we hear there's a speaker in, in Birmingham or there's a speaker in Montgomery that would feed us, you know, because we're pastors and we need to get fed too. And, uh, you know, or, or, you know if, and, and, and a lot of people wouldn't dream of changing their plans. Change your plans. Fear God. You've been listening to your old kin folks for years and they had never helped you yet. And you go over there and waller around with them again. That's fearing God. Amen. And fearing God's coming when you're tired. Your body's telling you you're tired. Amen. I have never, and I'll tell you this is the truth, I have never left church not feeling better than when I came. And you know, you say some people, oh, I can't come, I'm sick. Uh, duh. You know, number one, we believe in healing. I'm not going to sit here, there's putty or something there. I'll start to sit down. Number two, I figured out a long time ago that sick is just as sick at home as it is at church. You don't feel any better at home. And there's a good possibility you could feel better and get healed here. Amen. Amen. Now I understand that there are times that we must miss. But I tell you, men and women that fear God, they shut their businesses down and come to church. Amen. I, we eat out on Sunday, and I, I'm not against it, but I really respect the restaurants that close on Sunday. I mean, I, I think it, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them for taking a stand. Hallelujah. Men and women that fear God, they make arrangements. They make arrangements to be, you know, my grandmother used to say it like this. They're at the spout when the glory comes out. And if they hear glory is going to come out of a spout, or if they even think it might come out of a spout, they make arrangements to be there. I know my, uh, Eric was a baby when we first got filled with the Spirit. In fact, I, I actually, he came after we got filled with the Spirit and, uh, and we had we were part of a church that was just getting started, and it was a faith church, and had a really powerful man of God, and, and uh, we were new, and we were hungry. Oh, we were hungry, and uh, we had the, but this church was so new there was no such thing as a nursery, and we were meeting in like the community building and the and the places like that, and we'd have to come in on Sunday morning and pick up the beer cans from the dances the night before, and all that kind of stuff, you know kind of had an alcohol smell to the room and everything. And, uh, 
you know, there's no such thing as a nursery. But I wouldn't have missed. I just, you know, nursery, so what? I brought him in in a stroller. I had one of those little umbrella strollers. And uh, and I set him in that stroller in church. And he sat in that stroller. And if he cried, I went, you know, the only place to go was to the car if he cried. There's the only place. So if he cried, I went to the car and sat in the car. But I wouldn't have missed well, there was two reasons. I feared God. I wanted something from God. I was looking for something. And you know what? He's never disappointed me. And uh, But secondly, I was also like, the glory might come out. I might miss something. That's fearing God. That's fearing God. Don't let no job rob you from God. Now, there are times that you know that people do have to work. I understand there's shift work and stuff. But there's a lot of times when it's just flat choices. And it's just not fearing God. It's just we don't really fear God. A lot of times people start fearing man more than they fear God. Oh, and you know, well, what will this man think? Well, I tell you what, if you'll fear God, God will take care of the men for you. Amen? If you'll fear God, God will take care. God, I believe in God being a time multiplier. I just believe when I fear God and do the right thing, He multiplies my time to me. I really believe that. I believe if I've got all sorts of stuff to do, if I'll go ahead and come to church, I'll get it done faster. Amen. I, I just believe that. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I'm telling you, we need to fear God. We got to fear Him. When we fear God, He honors us. And I'm telling you, He's never let me and pastor down. We've been in some tough places. We've had mean church members plot all sorts of plots against us. And you know what? Not one of them have ever prospered. Not one in 20 years. Not one of their plots ever prospered. Not one of them ever set us back. Not one of them ever. But you know what? All of them defeated them. All those that plotted against us have failed in their own lives. Amen. One lady that plotted a plot against us, it took from 1985 till about 1993 for her failure to show up. But it came. And I, we weren't wishing it on her. The Bible also tells us not to do that. Amen. But you can't plot against the men and women of God and prosper. It'll kill you. It'll defeat you. Amen. We got to fear God. We got to respect His house. Teach our kids to respect His house. Wear the right things. You know, sometimes I'll go to put something on and I'll go, that just wouldn't look good in God's house. I bought a dress in Montgomery in September, paid $79 for this dress, and, and it wasn't cold enough to wear it. And I put it on the other day and I said, this wouldn't look good in God's house. I don't know why I bought it. But I just knew. And I don't go anywhere else to wear it but church. So I got me a $79 dress to sell in the garage sale or give to Hannah home or something. Brand new with the tags on it. Well, I think I did take the tags off because I thought I was going to wear it. See, just doing right. Because you fear God. Because you honor Him. Because you respect Him. Amen. Making a sacrifice because you honor Him. Not always doing what you want to do. Amen? Following the rules that pastor lays out. That's honoring and fearing God. If pastor says don't do this, or the musicians are going to wear this, or the ushers are going to wear this, or the, you know, the nursery's going to do this, fearing God is following that. Amen? And you know what it is when we don't? Now, I'm just going to be, can I be blunt? It's just old rebellion. And I'll tell you something. The Bible says that rebellion's bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of correction drives it out. And depending on how much your parents understood and used the rod of correction on your rear end is how much rebellion got drove out of you. And if, if your parents didn't drive it out of you, it will show up in your older years. 
It either shows up as a teenager, but I've seen people when it didn't show up as a teenager and they is in their 20s and 30s and they got rebellion that's never been drove out of their heart. Or maybe the parents did kind of, but they never really got it out all the way. And you know, if your parents didn't, then you can get it out yourself. You can just refuse to be rebellious. And you can you can fear God and submit. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, a lot of times there's reasons for what pastor says and what pastor does. Amen. There is. And sometimes reasons you could that are beyond you and you couldn't see and you couldn't understand. I'll tell you something. I'm saying this by the Holy Ghost. There's some of you in here tonight that God's been dealing with you to change some things. Pastor preached on change. And you're not going to have the blessing of God until you change in some areas. You got to change. You got to change. Got to be willing to change. Amen. Hallelujah. That's fearing God. That's fearing God. Hallelujah. Respecting his, this building is fearing God. You know, a lot of people, we ask the children's ministers not to chew gum. A lot of them rebel against that. One, you know why we ask the children's ministers not to chew gum? Because we ask the children not to chew gum. You know why we ask the children not to chew gum? Because they put it under the seats and on the floor. It's as simple as that. And we fear God and we know that this, this is His property. This is not Michael and Debbie Billings. Amen. Fear God and 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 do what's right. You know that go for that work for parents too. If your children are asked to not chew gum, it stands reason you wouldn't. And besides, I'm gonna tell you something. When somebody's teaching the word and we've got the holy written word of God here, and somebody's going, that is so disrespectful to the word of God. I'm telling you, it makes my now, there has been time when I was coughing or something and I didn't have a mint that I'd take a little bitty piece of gum off the side and just put it in my mouth to get something down my throat to stop the cough. I have done that. But there's a difference in that and slamming the, your jaws together in front of... And I'm not trying to pick on y'all tonight. Nobody's chewing gum, so I can say all of this. Hallelujah. You swallow. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you know, even with mints, we need to be careful. We need not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I think mints are great to have, but we need to be careful. Try not to be noisy and stuff with them. And there's all been times when we've dropped something. or We're not talking about that. But we're talking about having a general attitude. And we're not even talking about being in bondage. I don't want to be in a church where you can't laugh, you can't move, you can't... You know, I want to be free. I mean, if I want to dance, run, or, or uh, roll in the floor, amen, I want to do it. I don't want to be in bondage, but there's a reverence for God and for His property and for the holy tithe that bought this property, amen? And a lot of people don't take care of God's stuff. You can go in churches all over Tuscaloosa, and some of them look, they're trashed out. Why? Because they don't take care of God's property. They hadn't taught their people to reverence the things of God and to take care of them. Amen? And a lot of times there's junk piled everywhere and all sorts of stuff. And you know, people bringing drinks into the church. I think I don't think that's reverencing God and fearing God. Bringing soft drink. We have asked our ushers to stop them. Sometimes they get past. But we shouldn't be bringing drinks in here. I know one time when we was traveling, I was sitting on the front row on this side. And in this pulpit, you can see a reflection. And they had a pulpit like that. And I saw somebody, I didn't know who it was, but I saw a coffee cup go up to somebody's mouth and them take a drink. And my husband was preaching, a guest minister in the church. And I looked over to see who it was, and it was the pastor's wife. And this was a Rama church. I didn't have to mention that, did I? I mean, one that Rhema has sponsored. Family, we need to fear God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Teaching our kids. We got well-behaved kids. Those kids are well-behaved. Amen. Teaching them, making them, you know, Colin and Eric, they sit on the front row. They never moved their whole life. Not one time. Not one time ever went to the bathroom. Not one time. I promise you. 
Not one time. Why? They don't need to. They don't need to. 